What's up, you guys? I'm Haley. And I'm Andrea. And this is Inhuman. what case I'm covering today. Um, I am excited to cover this case because I actually didn't know a lot about it, even though I knew more about it than some other cases. Um, And I feel like I have heard it told on a couple other like podcasts that I listen to, but not many. I feel like it's not as like, quote unquote, popular, you know, (laughs) right, as some crime cases. So I'm excited to kind of get it out there, especially because it is still unsolved. And you know, you never know what sharing can get you. Right. And it is a pretty big case. So to not have a ton of podcasts cover it is kind of shocking because it is, to me, it's a huge case, but. Exactly. I know. So today we're going to be talking about the Snapchat murders, as some people know it, or the murder of Abigail Williams and Liberty German in Delphi, Indiana. And I did double check with my friends that live in Indiana that it's Delphi. I was pretty sure, but I wanted to double check. I sent a voice message to my friend last night. I was like, is it Delphi? And she was like, yeah, don't worry. (laughs) And um, the reason I wanted to cover this case specifically was because I was actually living in Indiana when this happened. Uh, So if you didn't know, I went to Purdue University, which is in Indiana. Um, And this actually happened the winter of my sophomore year at Purdue. So I was living on campus in West Lafayette and Delphi is like about a 30 minute drive from West Lafayette. And I actually knew somebody who worked in the business school office who actually like lived and commuted from Delphi. So like it wasn't just the next town over. I actually knew somebody who lived there Um, and it was, you know, a little too close for comfort. 30 minutes is not far. So like, I remember hearing about this and kind of watching it unfold from when the girls went missing to when they found their bodies. And we were like kind of freaked out because they didn't know who did it. They didn't have anybody like in custody. It really wasn't that far from where we were. Um, So, you know, it, it stuck with me because obviously, because I was there Um, and I actually like, wasn't really into true crime back when I first heard about it, I didn't really get into true crime till after I graduated college. So I, of course, knew like some of the details and like saw some of the news reports. But other than that, I didn't really like dive into it. Exactly. Yeah. Um, And, you know, I would like chat about it with my friends, but because I wasn't like I hadn't found true crime podcasts or documentaries really or anything yet. Um, So now that I'm like totally a true crime fanatic, I was like, all in with the research on this to learn about more of the details. And it just like, I learned so much that I didn't know, even though I was literally in a town 30 minutes from where this happened. That's so crazy. I know. And I am going to just give a trigger warning because this is about kids. These girls were young. um, So just, you know, it's always, I mean, it's hard to tell any story, but especially when they're kids, it's It's a a little little harder. harder. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So let's get into it. Abigail Williams was 13 years old and Liberty German was 14 years old when they vanished on February 13th, 
2017. Abigail, or Abby Williams, was born June 23, 2003 in Salt Ste. Marie, Michigan. I probably said that wrong, but she was born in Michigan. And also, it's just crazy to me that, like, people were born in 2003. Like, <laughs> I know. When you said I that, know. I was like, wow. <laughs> like, she was a baby. Like, a baby baby. Yeah. Um, and then Liberty, or Libby German, was born on December 27, 2002 in Lafayette, Indiana, which is actually the town right outside of where Purdue is. So they were both originally from the Midwest, and they were both now living in Delphi with their families. The girls were friends, both attending Delphi Community Middle School, where they played saxophone and volleyball together. Um, Monday, February 13th, 2017 was a snow day and the girls had had a sleepover at Libby's house. I kind of switched back and forth between Liberty Liberty. and Libby in my notes because at first I was using Libby, but then one of the sources I was using kept calling her Liberty. So I was like, oh, maybe she went more by Liberty, but then they switched over to Libby. So (laughs) I mostly used Libby, but to try to keep it consistent, but just like if I ever <laughs> step up, like, or what's the word? Like trip, like on my, switch trip it up. over my words. Oh, yeah. 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 That's, that's why. Um, so they had a sleepover at Libby's house the night before because they knew the next day was going to be a snow day. And they slept in that morning after being up late during their sleepover, you know, typical teenage girls having right. a sleepover. <laughs> if you sleep at and, all. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And Libby's father, Derek, made them pancakes for breakfast around 10 a.m. on Monday the 13th. And Libby was actually in the primary care of her dad's parents. I couldn't figure out, like, why. Um, And her mom was never mentioned, so I don't know Hmm. something happened to her mom or what. But I just, like, I didn't go too deep into that because I wanted to go into other, you know, research. Like, more important details, um, yeah. Yeah, but she was in the care of her grandparents, and they all lived in her grandparents' house together. So I'm pretty sure her dad lived there with his parents and then his daughter, Um, but she was technically in the primary care of her grandparents. So her grandma, Becky, was home with the girls after Derek left for work, and she told them that she'd give them some money and take them out shopping if they helped her with some of her filing work. So they did that. And then around 1 p.m. when they were done, they asked Becky if they could go to the uh, Monin, I think. It's M-O-N-O-N. Monin? I would think Monin. That's what I would say, right? Okay. You can, people can correct me if I'm wrong. (laughs) Um, So they asked if they could go to the Monin High Bridge Trail. And so this was like in a park, not too far from where they lived. So they wanted to just go like walk around, take pictures, stuff like that. And Becky agreed, but she couldn't give them a ride. So Libby asked her sister Kelsey to drive them. And before I move on, I just want to note, I found an awesome timeline of this case on a website called Actus Reus, which is like a big form forum of like a ton of crime cases and info on them. So I'll have that link down in the show notes and there's like photos and maps and stuff that I'm going to be explaining. And that all comes from that website. And a lot of them I'll also post post on our Instagram. So you can kind of go look at that as you're listening to get a better sense, because there's a lot of like movement around a park in this case. Right. Um, but that, that website is awesome and has a lot of the details. Um, that was the main source that I used for all of my research because it was really well done. So around 1.30 PM, Kelsey picked up the girls to take them to the bridge And we know the girls were dropped off at some point after 1.38, 
because Kelsey was on the phone with her boyfriend when dropping them off, and the phone records show that that call began at 1.38, so, you know, it was sometime, like, early afternoon. She dropped them off and didn't report anything suspicious that, you know, she didn't see anything suspicious. It was just the normal park. And around that time, Libby called her dad to see if he could drive them home. And he said he could pick them up after work, which would likely be around 3 or 3.30. So there wasn't a set time. And Libby's dad said that he would just call her when he was getting close. And then they'd return to the trailhead of the parking area to meet him. So they had a plan to be picked up. Um, and her dad, he, you know, you know, she knew like a general time, but her dad would said that he would call when he was getting close. Okay, guys, the sound might be different because I realized why my microphone was echoing and I just <laughs> moved. So hopefully this sound is better. We are slowly learning how to yes. podcast. Bear with us. Where we were, the girls had a plan to get picked up by Libby's dad, um, and they began walking the trail. They eventually made it to the bridge that they wanted to go see. And the way that I understand it and from maps and stuff, and again, I'll post all the maps on um, our Instagram so you can see. It was basically a big park with like a trail, a couple of like different trails that went through it. And then there were a couple of bridges off of those trails. So when they made it to the bridge, Libby actually uploaded two different photos to her Snapchat story, which is why a lot of people refer to this as the Snapchat murders. Um, And this was around 2.05 to 2.07 p.m. One of the photos was a photo of just like the bridge itself. You know, one of those like aesthetic photos that I totally would have posted on my Snapchat (laughs) story at their age. I honestly probably would still now. So (laughs) no judgment. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And then the other one was a photo of Abby on the bridge. Um, So I'll post those two photos and it's just like so freaking eerie knowing what happened shortly after Mm -hmm. um and there's actually if you know anything about this case there's a video of a a main suspect and I think a lot of people think that that video was like a snapchat video but it was not and I think that's why you know beyond the two there being two photos she posted to her snapchat story I think a lot of people call it the Snapchat murders because they think the video of the suspect came from Snapchat, but it did not. So we'll talk more about that. um, And that's where we'll leave like the Snapchat part out. Um, But yeah, it's just, it's very eerie. We're going to actually now kind of jump ahead to what happened starting from when Libby's dad arrived to pick up the girls. Um, There's not a lot known about what the girls did except for what we see in that video. But I'm going to talk about that later when we kind of talk about the evidence and what they discover once they find their bodies. They had agreed, like I said, that he would call when he was coming to get them and they would meet at the trailhead to be picked up. And according to phone records, Derek called Libby at 3.11 p.m. And he remembers he, at that point, was starting to drive over to the park from work um, and Libby didn't pick up. And a few minutes later, he arrived in the parking area and called her again and also, like, you know, was looking around the parking area for them. And again, there was no answer. And Derek was like, it's very unlikely that Libby would ignore his calls, especially because she knew that he was coming to pick them up. Right. Um, And so he was, you know, a little bit like worried or just he was like, okay, like that's weird that she's not picking up. So instead of just waiting, he decided to park and go look for the girls on the trail. Good. Which, like, oh, my God, if I was him, I'd be freaking out. I know. 
So as Derek started walking, he got to a point where the trail split off into two trails, and they are referred to as the 501 and the 505. Um, And there was actually a man there, and Derek asked if he had seen the two girls. And the man told him that he had not seen anyone on the 501 trail, but he had seen some girls on the bridge. So Derek headed to the 505 trail. We later learn that this man was like, I don't know if it's 100% confirmed, but he was not the same man that was seen in that cell phone video. Um, And he did become a key witness in the case. And media and online discussion outlets dubbed this man flannel shirt guy because that's what he was wearing that day. Um, So he became a key witness. And, you know, my first thought was, oh, my God, is that the man in the video? But I I don't think it was. And I don't think anybody thinks it was. Yeah. I think they were like two different shapes and sizes. Which you'll get yeah, into later, exactly. but <laughs> right. And he was wearing a flannel shirt, and the man in the video was not. So right. So Derek was walking along the 505 trail, and you know, looked in, at the bridge and everything, and he d- still didn't see the girls. So he called his mom, Libby's grandma Becky, and asked her to try contacting the girls herself. Um, Becky was actually with Libby's aunt Tara at the time and started repeatedly, they both started repeatedly calling and texting Libby with no response or anything. And Derek was continuing to search around the park, but he eventually returned to his car after not finding the girls. Um, I think when I first heard about this case, I thought this was like a giant part, but when I was looking at the map of it, it's not a huge, huge park. Like, you know, there's a couple of trails and then there's woods off of, the trails but it's not like some giant you know park that you might find like a national park or something exactly yeah like there's I feel like there's a lot of parks in you know the midwest area of the country um, and some of them can be really big this one at least according to like the map that I was looking at the area that they would have been in was not that big so he I think felt like he had searched it well enough um and he was like, okay, they're they're obviously not here. Right. More of the family started to get involved as Becky and Derek were kind of getting worried that something was wrong. Libby's grandfather, Mike, left work from Lafayette, Indiana, um, after Becky called him to tell him something was wrong. Becky also called Libby's sister, Kelsey, who was the one who had dropped the girls off. And so she was able to, like, delay her work shift and left her boyfriend's house to meet her dad at the trail. So all of these different family members were, you know, showing up at the park and they started searching. And it is noted in reports of that day that there were several cars and people at the trail that weren't part of this family. So there were other people there. It's not like it was just kind of abandoned which did honestly kind of surprise me because it's February in Indiana, which like freezing typically is pretty cold. (laughs) Right. But then again, like it might've been a day that wasn't, I mean, Indiana doesn't get a ton of snow. So even though we have like cold temperatures, I say we, as if I still live there, when I lived (laughs) there, I experienced was like, we'd have cold temperatures, but it wouldn't like, we wouldn't have snow all that often. So, you know, you put on a jacket and you can walk around like a park like this without, having to walk through snow and stuff like that. So I guess it's not that surprising. And who knows, like maybe I couldn't find any reports like what the weather was actually like that day, but maybe it was like in the high thirties, which at that point in the winter is like a little bit nicer. So maybe people were out for that reason. 
The family at this point were kind of thinking that the girls had somehow gotten hurt and that possibly Libby's phone had been damaged, you know, if they fell or something like that. And that was why she wasn't picking up. And so they all like split up. I think they mostly went off in like pairs and went in different directions to keep looking. Kelsey and her uncle, Cody, went towards the bridge where the Snapchat photos were had been taken and they spent about like 20 minutes searching around there and also yelling the girls names in the area and towards like down a private driveway that was down the hill from the bridge so you know they were like calling their names not just looking because they thought maybe if they fell fell down a hill or something like that and they were hurt they might have not been able to get back up and so they were calling their names to try to like locate them so were there reports that maybe her sister saw her Snapchats and, and knew that that location was somewhere that they had been? Yeah, so I don't know at what point Kelsey saw the Snapchats, but later when police were notified, she showed the police the Snapchats okay. um, before they found their bodies. And so I don't know if she had seen them before this or after this, but right. at some point she did see them and was aware that they were like for sure on that bridge at some point. Okay. Becky, at this point, was on the phone with AT&T to try to ping Libby's phone, um, but AT&T said that they legally couldn't, which, what? I mean, I get it, and companies have to follow the rules, but that makes me mad. Like, she was a minor, and I'm assuming that she was on, like, her parents' or grandparents' phone plan. Right. So, if the, like, owner of the phone plan was asking you to ping it, I don't get why it should be illegal that you can ping it, but... You know, maybe she, maybe Becky wasn't the owner of the phone plan or something like that. But, you know, whatever the case at this point, they couldn't ping it. Um, And it is, I found some stuff about like later on them trying to ping it. And it was all kind of confusing because basically they were saying it was like pinging all over the city and then looked like it was dead at some point. Hmm. But that's kind of what happens with phone towers. Like, Just because you're in one location, usually when you ping a phone, it like triangulates the location. Right. So I don't know if that would have been helpful anyway, unless like they saw it, you know, moving down a highway or something like that. But at this point, they were like trying to do everything they could. And it was also actually reported that she was trying to do like a find my iPhone type of thing. And she like thought that if she downloaded it to her phone, she'd be able to, you know, connect it. But then obviously realized that Libby didn't have it on her phone. So, you know, so this is just your reminder to share your location. Um, (laughs) I have my location shared with my fiance and my sister and my mom and like a couple of my college friends. So, you know, just it's a good thing to share your location with a couple people. I share mine with my sister's. Exactly. We should we should share our locations. Yeah, we should. <laughs> we should. I mean, you know, it's just good to have a couple people and especially if you're in college, like yes. share your location with your friends because it's just anything can happen. There's been times where I've like walked to my car alone from like a bar or a party right. or whatever and like, you know, you never know. People are crazy. Anything can happen. So yeah. It's better to be safe than sorry. Exactly. And even if it's not for like a, you know, if something bad happens, but if you like were to get hurt or something like that, you know, you just never know mm-hmm. um, 
And it could be helpful for somebody to, you know what, there is a case and I don't know what it is, but there is a case where like a girl got into a car accident and like drove off of like into a body of water and was like, like stuck with her um, seatbelt and stuff and she couldn't move. And for like a couple of days was there and finally they found her because it took them a long time but finally like the boyfriend or husband or somebody was able to get phone records and could ping it and find like around where she was and then they found her i'll have to see if i can find that case i have no clue what it is i just remember (laughs) remember hearing that (laughs) yeah but if they had if he had had her location he would have been able to just go right there yeah so so share your location turn (laughs) turn it on share your location yeah. It's better safe than sorry. That's right. So by 5.20 p.m., after not hearing from the girls for like over two hours and not finding them or any traces of them anywhere in the park, the family called the police and reported both Libby and Abby missing. And at this point, Abby's mom, Anna, hadn't known what was going on. Becky oh had been gosh. trying to get a hold of her. Um, But she was like at work and finally they were able to connect and then they decided to meet up at the police station where Mike, Libby's grandfather, was. Um, And the police had actually asked them to come in so that they could give details and stuff like that, which is standard procedure for missing persons cases. Right. Police started searching the park and family members were, you know, posting on social media to get their faces out there and ask for volunteers. And by 6 p.m., there were a bunch of volunteers that had arrived to help search the trail and the surrounding area. And at this time, Libby's sister Kelsey had arrived at the police station and she had then shown them the Snapchats. So keep, keep in mind that at this point, they don't have Libby's phone. So they don't have that video of the man, but they do have the two photos that were posted on Snapchat and that, you know, proves that they were at the bridge at some point. Right. So hours of searching passed to no avail. And uh, from the Actus Rias timeline, quote, Carroll County Sheriff Toby Leansby says in a news release that there is no reason to suspect foul play or to believe the girls are in immediate danger. The biggest concern is exposure to the elements. So, I mean, at this time, they don't have any real reason to suspect foul play. Like, at this point, they're just missing. And there's no, like, evidence. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. Okay. The official search was called off until the morning as it, you know, got dark and it was cold and they're in, like, nature so they have to be careful um but people did continue to search through the night uh the next morning the story was all over the news with reports airing on multiple channels and news stations and tons of volunteers were in the area searching sometime between 11 a.m and 12 p.m on tuesday february 14th 2017 two bodies were found Mm. they were not immediately identified as libby and abby um, they were found about a half mile from the end of the bridge and across the creek. There was a lot of like speculation of the actual location, um, but it's never been released, mostly because it's still an ongoing investigation. But there have been a lot of photos shared and stuff like that because there was crime scene tape up. So 
that's kind of the best guess we have. It wasn't too far from the bridge and it was across a creek. This just like breaks my heart. Kelsey and two others were searching under one of the bridges when Kelsey heard that they had found the bodies. A man had found a shoe first and, um, you know, somebody had called up saying, we found a shoe. What type of shoe was Libby wearing? And Kelsey told them and it was confirmed that it was the same type of shoe that she was wearing. And then that same person apparently saw two deer moving and he was kind of he or she, I don't know if it was a man or a woman, but they were like looking to see what was going on. And that's when they saw the bodies. So I'm kind of confused, but I think basically they were just searching and saw something going on, taking a closer look and they found the bodies. Like someone that was with the search parties or just a random? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. And according to an article on the Indie Channel, quote, the bodies were found on private property about 50 feet from the shore of Deer Creek. A set of footprints are what led the volunteers to the area the bodies were found. I don't know. The footprints have never been confirmed. Um, Again, it's an ongoing investigation, so we don't have a ton of details. Right. But I did see that and wanted to bring it up because it wouldn't be surprising if there were footprints around. Yeah. Especially if there was a little bit of snow still on the ground or muddy. Right. Like muddy conditions. Exactly. Yeah. Shortly after, the sheriff announced that the identities had not been confirmed yet, and they were now investigating a crime scene where they suspected foul play. The next day, February 15th, 2017, at 3 p.m., a press conference was held where they confirmed the identity of the bodies found, said they were now investigating the double homicide of Liberty German and Abigail Williams. Mm, That's so heartbreaking. So that same day, the police released a still from a video found on Libby's phone. So now I'm going to talk about that video. Um, At some point after the Snapchat photos were uploaded, the girls had been walking around and they noticed a man behind them. So Libby started taking a video on her phone. Um, It's never been actually like proven if she started the video because of the man or just because But the Carroll County Sheriff, Toby Leansby, did say it appeared that they did start recording as a precaution because they felt uncomfortable. Yeah, that's what I had heard in other sources. Yeah, like she was like pretending to record herself and then kind of getting him in the shot at the same time. Like, exactly. Just super smart for a 13, 14 year old. Yeah. So only a small portion has been released to the public in which you can see a man like taking a couple steps. It's a super short clip, but it appears to be an older man in jeans, a Navy jacket and a hat walking with his hands in his pockets. And again, I'll post it on our Instagram. This is obviously a big part of the investigation. Um, And from the video, people that were familiar with the area were able to determine that the perspective was from the south eastern side of the bridge looking back towards the northwestern side and I know that's difficult to picture especially if you're like me and you're bad with directions (laughs) um like I need to see it visually so I'll post this map on Instagram um but basically we have a photo of the whole park area and then it zooms in to like just the bridge area and first we can see where the first and second photos were taken kind of on one end of the bridge 
And then on the other end of the bridge is where the video was taken, um, or at least the portion of the man walking. And so what they believe from the video is that they were right at that opposite end of the bridge from where the initial Snapchat photos were taken. And Libby, who was the one recording, was facing like back toward the other end of the bridge and Abby was facing her. And the man was behind her facing the same way as Abby or toward Libby. Okay. So basically, the man is behind Abby facing Libby. Right. So there was obviously also audio from this video. Um, And again, only a small portion was released. But police did say that more of the audio was played for the victim's family and that, quote, the girls mostly talk about stuff girls talk about in the recording, but they also mention the man. And the only audio that was released to the public was a man's voice ordering the girls down the hill. Um, and I'm going to play it for you here. So isn't that just the creepiest fucking thing? Like, like why are you demanding them to go down the hill? Like, who the fuck are you? Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Um, And we actually don't know when in the video this was said. So, like, we don't know, like, when. Like, what the context was. was, Did they have conversation prior to this? Yeah. Exactly. Um, They believe that what happened was they went off the trail and possibly even through a shallow section of the creek. From the Actus Rius timeline, Quote, it has been theorized that the offender pull- pulled a weapon and found a way to make the girls comply with his orders. Mm. So the audio was released on February 22nd, 2017. And it wasn't actually the full audio you just heard. It was just the down the hill part. Um, the guys clip wasn't released until April of 2019. And I'm not really sure why it wasn't initially released and also like why it was then released i think that they were just trying to get more out there yeah because you would think they would want the whole audio out there so someone might could recognize his voice and be like oh that's so and so from such and such like let me call that in exactly yeah so i don't know what was up with that but um that was the audio we got along with a couple of stills and you know the, the man moving um And like we said, like Libby has gotten a lot of praise from law enforcement for being able to start that video once she knew something was up, like just being in the state of mind to figure that out is amazing. And how scared she must have been too, you know, and still managed to do that. Uh, So a lot about the investigation has still not been released since it is still an open investigation. So aside from the audio and video evidence, there's only a few things we know. So I'm going to go through that now. First of all, according to the Indy Star, the FBI did create a description of the suspect. So I'm just going to read this um, exactly how they said it. The suspected killer is thought to be a white man who weighs between 180 and 200 pounds and stands between 5 feet 6 inches tall and 5 feet 8 inches tall. He has been described as wearing blue jeans, a blue jacket or coat, and a hoodie. Um, So there were also two police sketches that were released over the years, the first one in July of 2017 and the other in April of 2019. The first was an older man with a goatee and the second was a younger man looking like clean shaven. 
And these are actually different men, which is what a lot of people didn't understand at first, like what is going on. So the first sketch that was released in 2017 was based off of um, a witness statement. And then the second sketch that was released in 2019, it was actually drawn back in 2017. So it wasn't like a new sketch. It was just that they were now releasing it. And basically they said that like this one was believed to be the more accurate one now. And according to Kelsey, Libby's sister, she explained it on Twitter in 2019 saying, quote, they had created several sketches at the time um, and or they had created several sketches at the time they believed the other one was more credible. So it was basically like at the time they thought that that one was the accurate one. Right. And now in 2019, they thought the other one was more accurate just as they were getting more information. And wasn't like the original sketch that they released, wasn't it like a complete opposite composite of the guy in the video? Like a younger, slender, taller. Yeah. I thought that was, that was interesting. Finally, the state police have also said that they believe the suspect is originally from Delphi and either still works or lives there or frequently visits the area. So that's pretty much all they've released. And despite all this evidence, the case went cold for five years. Um, And it still is cold, but there was some recent, you know, movement in it Mm -hmm. um, a little bit. And so I'm going to share that here. Um, So, yeah. But don't get too excited because it's not not anything major. So in April 2021, a kidnapping in Lafayette, Indiana, which is, again, about like 30 minutes from Delphi, um, that kidnapping may possibly be linked to these murders. The detectives on the Delphi case took notice of James Brian Chadwell II, who, according to a Journal and Courier article, has been accused of luring a nine-year-old girl into his house, beating her, doing other stuff, I'm not going to talk about it, um, and locking her in the basement. Thankfully, the police were notified, and after Chadwell allowed them to search his house, they found the girl in the basement and arrested him. According to the sheriff, many factors are leading the investigators to look into Chadwell for the Delphi murders, and although he said there's not a specific link, they are following up on this lead as they have with every lead since 2017. Okay. So, unfortunately, that is pretty much all we have at this point. Um, All we can do is continue to share the image and the sketch along with the audio clip, um, you you just may never know. Maybe one day you will share it and then someone else will hear it or see it and recognize it. And even if you think like, I don't live in that area, so there's no way you never know. Like never people know. move people. I mean, like I lived there, but now I don't. So, you know, like I could still recognize something or somebody that I know could recognize something like you just never know. Um, and so you never know who you may recognize. Yeah. If you have any information about the case, you can send an email to Abby and Libby Tip at C A C O S H R F dot com. Um, that's where they're kind of taking all the tips instead of a phone line because it's easier and it will all be kept confidential. 
Um, we will share all of the photos and the video and the audio clip on our Instagram. So please, please, please go look at that. Share it if you can. Um, I'll also share it on Twitter. So if you're more on Twitter, go share it on there. The least you can do for these girls is take a few seconds to look at it and see if you possibly recognize anything. And if you have a few extra seconds, just hit share so we can help reach more people. Yeah. These girls deserve justice. They were babies and they did everything that they could to identify their killer. Mm -hmm. So we need to now do our part to get them the justice they deserve. Exactly. And it's little, very, very little effort on our parts to, to share. Exactly. And because this is still so recent too, the likelihood of it getting solved if more people share it and talk about it and get the images and the video out there. Some podcasts like like Crime Junkie, if they shared this story, which I don't know if they have or not, um, but I don't remember hearing about it on their podcast, but maybe they have. Um, but if like a bigger podcast like that shared the story and it got the message out there, who knows what could happen? Yeah. So that's why we need to continue to share it. And even though we're just a tiny little podcast getting started, you never know who might hear this. And if just like one person heard this, shared something, and that led to something, you just never know. Just share it. Just do it. You just never know. And, you know, these girls, Libby literally like in the scariest moment in her life was able to take out her phone and record and yeah. get this evidence. So for vigilant. Us. So she exactly. And she deserves the justice. Yep. And you know, we're the only ones that can help with that now. The yeah. investigators have done as much as they can and they're continuing to do as much as they can, but us getting it out there, I mean, social media is freaking powerful. Like there have been multiple murders and other things that have been solved through like TikTok and people sharing. Yeah. So you know, there's millions of people on these apps and one share can make such a difference. So absolutely. I feel like I've said the word share a billion times, <laughs> but it really is like, I want to hammer that in that just go share it. Um, share this podcast with your friends. If you have friends that are interested in these kinds of stories, because I feel like the more, you know, crime junkies and people who like this stuff hear it, the more likely they are to share it than just like, you know, somebody who might be seeing it on social media. If you understand the case and stuff like that, you might be more likely to share it. So share it with your cr true crime addicted friends. And, <laughs> um, you know, we want to get it out there and let's get justice for Abby and Libby because they freaking deserve it. They do. And their families deserve to know what happened to them. 100%. And the whole community. I mean, so many were out there searching for them. And this community still doesn't feel safe. I have friends that live not far from Delphi. Yeah. And it's scary because even as being adults, like something like this could happen. Yeah, absolutely. And that man still being out there is terrifying. And, you know, they deserve justice. Their families deserve to know. And the whole community and that whole area deserves to be able to feel peace because I'm sure they don't. And he deserves to be punished because he's gone, what, five years? So five, or five no. years. Yeah, five years. Yeah, over five years. With yeah. nothing, with no... Yeah. Just willy-nilly out there doing doing his thing. No, no punishment. Yeah. Exactly. So 
So yeah, that is the case of Abby and Libby, you know, the Delphi murders, the Snapchat murders, however people know it. Um, we will, again, as I've said a million times, share everything on Instagram and Twitter, which are both at inhuman underscore podcast. We're also on TikTok at inhuman podcast, and we will all be sharing that story on there as well. And, you know, maybe one day that if if any of our cases are or any of our TikTok videos are going to get more views, this is one that I hope does because like I said, it's unsolved and it just, you never know who it'll reach. So if you are on TikTok, go like, comment on that, help boost it so more people can see it. Um, And let's, let's get this story out there. Yep. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast, leave us a review, a rating, all of the good things. We really do appreciate it. And it does help us a ton. (laughs) Yeah. We actually, I've been like looking at our, um, reviews so we have reviews and then ratings and the ratings just like you can tap how many however many stars and you don't have to write anything and for a while we had 19 and the other day we had 20 so somebody else rated us which is amazing (laughs) and I think they gave us a five star so it boosted our rating because we do have a hater that gave us like a one star rating back when we started Mm -hmm. um so it kind of brought us down to like I think we were at a 4.7 and I mean, we don't have to be perfect at all. Like, I want your honest ratings and feedback, input, and stuff. Um, right. But it felt good to boost a little bit since our hater hates us and still <laughs> and brought it down a little bit. <laughs> yeah, still, it's been over a year, but it's okay. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but if you are listening, especially on Apple, if you could just like, all you got to do is tap the stars. You don't even have to write anything. Um, and that would mean the world to us. And also if you have case suggestions, you know, we're on Instagram and you can also send us an email at inhumanmonsterpod at gmail.com. If you have suggestions or like input about cases or anything, we'd love to hear it. Yep. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. Keep it human. Oh, I forgot. Good job. (laughs) I totally forgot. Okay. You can do the next one. (laughs) 